0: can criticize. How about that? Woo! Is lavender's forever. Amen. Brother. Then I wouldn't have to preach if you sang it 300 times. That's a good point too. So I, there we go. Hey, before I get started today, uh, a little fun fact. You know, what we decided when we started this church is by the end of year three, we were hoping to get to the point where at least 50% of our revenue went to outreach uh, in our community, uh, mercy, evangelism, that type of thing. Uh, So we have a year left to get to that goal. As of September of this year, we were at 39% of our revenue. Went to that. Did you know? Did you know that we serve anywhere from 90 to 100 families a week with our Grace Life food pantry? That equals out to about 275 to 300 people a week, 1,200 a month in our food pantry. We need some volunteers. See, I was going to come get you with that. So Lisa Kay kind of runs that part of our ministry, and so we need some volunteers, and so you are directed. We need people a couple times a week to help pass food out, to go pick up food and bring it to the nightlife center. Talk to Lisa, give her your name, and tell her you're going to help her, correct? Correct? Okay, good. So make sure you do that. Is that good, Lisa? Okay, that's a good ask. Okay. It's good to have you guys here today. We're continuing in our series on 1 John. Uh, we can bring the... PowerPoint up real quick. So uh, we continue with this series. It's called Our Joy is Complete. Uh, and this week, the title is Ready for Dad. So <clears throat> here's what I can say, right? There is something touching about this image, right, of children waiting for their dad to come home. And the fact of the matter is, even if our families on earth are broken, dysfunctional, even if that is the case, human nature allows us to understand what it could be like or why this is touching, right? I mean, you may not even had a, a, a solid home growing up and this is still touching. Maybe you did come from a home, it was solid, and you can understand why this is touching. But either way, this picture of these two little kids staring out the window waiting for dad to come home, it's kind of like an awe moment, right? Very, very good. <laughs> On cue. And let me just tell you about Heavenly Dad's return. For years, Heavenly Dad's return was used on me as a battering ram. It made me scared. You better be ready. When Jesus comes back, and because of the way it was taught, seeing the face of God personally hung over me like a sword. I lived in I was a Christian but I lived in fear of it. It made me scared. I mean, what if I'm embarrassed? What if just how def- how bad I am actually comes to light? And Jesus comes back, well Joe, you made it but just barely and here's why. Like that scares me. <laughs> or what if this whole return of Jesus thing is just a fairy tale and it's a scam? That would be embarrassing too. And so these feelings robbed me of joy that I should have had in my relationship with Heavenly Dad for years. On the one hand, I knew that I loved God. But then on the other hand, I would live in fear of my Heavenly Dad. Afraid that he would come back because the day might be a disaster. But in my late 20s, I finally began to understand that I can live in anticipation of and hope for the day that my dad returns. And it totally transformed the way I connected with Heavenly Dad when I recognized my dad is coming back for me, and it's going to be awesome. So what I'm going to do today in today's passage, uh, I might have left it out. Yeah, so I'll just read it to you, okay? (laughs) Okay. I'm starting in 1 John chapter 2, verse 28, and then I'll go to chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. And now, little children, abide in him, that when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. Then verses 1 through 3 say this. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called the children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that the world does not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now. Now. And what will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we will be made like him because we will see him just as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself just as he heavenly dad Jesus is pure so let's talk about the historical part of this I want to talk about the return of Jesus so just so you understand the idea of the return of Jesus was a very consistent teaching by all the apostles it was one of the core apostolic teachings this concept of the return of Jesus and it was central for the church in the first century to understand the scope of the work of Christ Now, we could talk about all of that in another sermon, but I want you to understand that the return of Jesus was central and important to every apostle, and it came through all of their teachings. As a matter of fact, you can see it in several of these verses. I'm not going to read them to you, but this is just a little smidgen, a a slice, a cross-section of some of the passages in Matthew and in Titus and in 1 Thessalonians, and in Acts, and in John. So you see Mark wrote about it, John wrote about it, Luke wrote about it in Acts, Paul wrote about it in Titus and Thessalonians, and and Matthew wrote about it in his gospel. And so the return of Jesus was echoed by all the disciples. In summary, the work of Christ will be complete when he returns and finishes the process of making us pure and righteous. So that was the consistent teaching. But there was a problem. There were these guys, these Gnostics that we've been talking about. And here's what they said. Dad is not coming back. See, the Gnostics saw any absolute teaching in apostolic doctrine. They took it and they tried to make it squishy. Allegorical. Just pictures and images. He doesn't really mean that. It's kind of more like an object lesson. This was especially true to any references the apostles would make to the physical aspects of Jesus and his body. His birth, he wasn't really born of a virgin. His death, he didn't really die. Well, I mean, he did, but he didn't have to. It was just an object lesson. And then his resurrection, he didn't really have to be resurrected because his body isn't the issue. And not only that, his return is not important because he doesn't have a body and it's really not about Jesus Because our sanctification process, what the Gnostics taught, was through gaining knowledge, higher knowledge. It's the knowledge that frees us from the bondage of this physical world. And once the light switch comes on and we understand this higher knowledge, we don't have to worry about being bound by the body anymore and we become spiritual. And all this idea of the work of Jesus in his body, that's just an object lesson. It possesses no truth or power. The resurrection is just an allegory of that moment that we actually get to that level of higher learning and we are freed from the mirage of the physical world. And this idea of being children of God, the Gnostics would teach, that's also allegorical. It just means you are a child of knowledge. And God is the source of this knowledge and understanding. And that's how he redeems, not through the blood of Jesus. And so God really isn't a father to his children. He is actually just the father of knowledge. That's what was being taught here. And so this idea of a return, the Gnostics would say, is ridiculous. Stop living by it. Stop hoping in it. Stop being... You certainly don't need to be afraid of it, but you shouldn't be looking forward to it. It's a waste of your time. And so what they would say to these people in the first century is, you need to grow up. Stop acting like children. So the rejection of this apostolic teaching resulted in mockery of anyone who held out hope for the return of Jesus, says Heavenly Dad. They scoffed at the idea of an intimate child-father relationship with God through adoption. Their message, listen, you are going to be severely disappointed in this apostolic gospel. It's a waste of your time. You are wasting your life worrying about this connection to the Father. It is knowledge that saves you, not a father-child relationship with the creator of the universe. Stop hoping in some physical face-to-face with Jesus. Stop putting your faith in some sort of fairy tale. He's not your dad. He doesn't even have a body anymore. He was set free from that. You are going to feel so silly when this face-to-face with God never happens. You're going to be ashamed. So that's the history. This is why John felt it was so important to remind them, of the return of Jesus. Remember what he's doing here. If you look back on these sermons we've been preaching in the, in the book of 1 John, each one is John reaffirming to them, yes, what you believe is true. What you heard from the beginning is real. And we know you believe it because of this. And he writes back, and says, I want you to know, young men, fathers, I know that you are children of God. And we've gone through all that. And now he's talking about the return of Jesus. So let's go to the spiritual or the theological side. What about God? What does he do in why and how does you do it? I've entitled this section, We Will Be Ready. So John starts off, he says, Behold how loved you are that God would call you his children. And John says, No, Dad, will not let us be embarrassed. We will be made like him, and that moment that we are, will not be something of shame but it will be amazing it will be a glorious moment of relief a glorious moment of joy a time of celebration you will see as a matter of fact he says the gospel is working right now to prepare you the gospel will come through for you on that day they will be stunned they will be ashamed not you because dad is coming back for his children. And so let's look at this. First thing that God does, and I wanna explain it in this section, we are being prepared. I love this verse in 2 Corinthians 3, 17 and 18. Now the Lord is the spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, and we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, get this, we are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord who is a spirit. In other words, even as we speak, he is transitioning us step by step from one level of glory and righteousness to another one. He is currently right now advocating for us. Yes, he advocates. We talked about two-way advocacy. Yes, he says to God, look at me and you see my righteousness and that's how I want you to see my children but then he looks at us and says hey i want you to become like me and he's drawing us and he's coaxing us and he's changing us from one glory the scripture says to another right now he is advocating for us and empowering us to become more righteous i mean he's not if you aren't his kid but if you are that's what he's doing we are being transformed we continue to be transformed and when we see him we will be completely transformed As a result, as children of God, you will not remain stagnant. True children of God will show evidence of this step-by-step glorification by their sacrifice, by their service, and by their love. You cannot claim to be a child of God and not have these things be evidence. Why? Because God never does a sorry job of saving anyone. He always does a really good job. We can't just sit around. The impacts of this gospel have affected us, are affecting us, and will affect us in such a way that we will and are being prepared for that day when dad comes back. Relax. Take a breath. If the spirit abides in you, and we talked about abiding last week, you will be being made, prepared, and ready. And I love this part, we will be transformed. So we talk about the process, but then there's that moment. In 1 Corinthians 15, 52, Paul says, a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised and perishable, and we will all be transformed. And I just got to tell you, I don't know what all that means, but I can tell you this. Whatever it is that we will experience at that moment will be unbelievably stunning. There won't be any crying unless there are tears of joy. There won't be any shame. It will just be something, well, the result will be something that blows us away spiritually, physically, yes, scientifically, and emotionally. It is an overwhelming experience. That moment that we are made like him. And because of that, the other thing that happens is he makes it so that we should be eagerly awaiting this moment. I'm going to read to you a passage from 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 5, verse 4 and 5, and then I'll skip to 9-11 and put that on the screen. Here's what verse 4 and 5 says. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children. In other words, you're not going to be unprepared. For you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night nor of the darkness. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. In verse 10 who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep we might live with him in verse 11 therefore encourage one another and build one another up just as you're doing why do you encourage and build because we are headed toward an amazing finish it is going to be an unbelievable culmination an unbelievable process. And because of that, we can eagerly await it. We don't need to live in fear of this day Amen. that we will be ashamed for some reason. As God's children, we can live in anticipation. We have confidence to know that there will be no shame, no disappointment, no reason for fear or anxiety. We know that moment will be the most euphoric emotional bliss. We could ever imagine. Yes, even more than for you hurricane fans from yesterday's game. I don't want to talk, why did, I, why did I bring that up? See, that's discouraging me. See, the Holy Spirit, which abides in us, what we talked about last week, will make sure that we are ready. Therefore, we should be encouraging each other constantly, not just about the day. But the whole process, listen, I know you're down, but right now God is changing you from glory to glory. He's preparing you for an amazing day and in the end it's gonna be unbelievable. We should be encouraging one another how the process of transformation and waiting for the final transformation is a glorious, inspiring, purposeful way to live. I can't imagine living without it, it'd be boring. I mean, how great is it going to be when what we have been waiting for and hoped for lives up to every expectation and more and not only that none of the bad parts we thought about it ever come to reality either so let's talk about the personal side i want to talk about when dad comes home so in my social media campaign i just put up there this week just wait till your father gets back (laughs) so when i was a kid that was not a good thing Today, we're making it good. Church, I'm telling you, just wait till your father gets back. Listen to me. I'm just, I'm trying to get your mind out of the temporal things that you have that are weighing you down this week today. Listen to me. Just wait till your dad gets back. Imagine all that will change for us once we see him, when we are as pure as he is pure. That rush of emotion, that bliss, Living in the light of dad's return. It's the core of our comfort and hope as God's children. I mean, what else would be? So I got some videos I'm going to show you. I've kind of strung together some videos. These are like, you know, these videos of soldiers coming back. Is this the closest thing I can think of when we see Heavenly Dad? So just watch this. Midfield, where nope. both teams oh the new referee on the field looked mighty familiar to Titan Cole Eggersheim. for Cole and his twin sister Olivia hadn't seen their father Joe in a year because he'd been stationed in Kuwait with the Army Reserves olivia who was on the field with the cheerleading squad was just as surprised to see her dad after so long knowing dad is home safe and there to cheer him on was the best pregame motivation this player could ask for hey check out this special moment during tonight's phillies games those fans were dancing with the fanatic when all of a sudden Air Force Major Robert Routon surprised his family. He just returned home after serving overseas for the last six months, and he gave his family the surprise of a lifetime. A little boy whose dad has been in Iraq. The scene is a small town in northwest Washington state. U.S. Navy Ensign Bill Hawes, who spent the past seven months deployed to Iraq, decided to surprise his six-year-old son, John, at school. John didn't know it till he laid eyes on his dad. (laughs) It took young John a long time to stop crying, but when he did, he mustered the courage to introduce his dad to his classmates, who had all written him letters while he was deployed. It's tough to take, but welcome home. Back with more right after this. <laughs> doesn't know I'm coming home. She doesn't know it's in February. She just doesn't know it's today. William Smith is a Navy fire controlman. He's been serving on the aircraft carrier USS Nimitz. His 17-year-old daughter Delaney Smith is one of the cheerleaders here. She thinks they're just going to do a little performance for the parents. She has no idea her dad will be there. Kind of what I'm bracing myself for is to be tackled. <laughs> Delaney is one of the last cheerleaders to come out. Watch her reaction when she suddenly sees her dad. She literally falls to the floor and appears to start crying, but then she gets back up and gives her dad a hug. That that moment there was priceless. I couldn't imagine it any different. I'm happy that he's home. So um, let me just read this verse. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will complete it at the day of Jesus Christ, the day that dad comes home. So let me just tell you, as a pastor, I get really busy doing ministry, you know. I think about the agenda for the next church meeting I think about the next sermon, or Megan and I are worried about the next worship service, and then I get discouraged sometimes, honestly, by developments within our congregation, problems that our church faces, especially if we want to continue to grow and meet our goals and vision. Then outside the church, I'm very distracted, and we also can get very distracted with everything from business and money to conflicts family problems, politics. Personally, we are beset and discouraged by our own shortcomings, our own failures, and our own sinfulness and shame. And as a result, maybe the fear of dad's return. Then there's this world around us, right? I mean, that thinks our hope and faith is a silly, stupid fairy tale. And all this works to pull us away from that window, And all these things begin to distract us from dad's return. That's when we desperately need our church family to point us back to the window, to our great hope and anticipation. And we need to be reminded of the moment that we run to his arms and shed tears of relief and joy because dad came back for his kids. So today, church, I'm reminding you about the joyful future face-to-face meeting you're about to have with Heavenly Dad. I'm reminding you that we currently are being prepared and transformed step-by-step. And that we will not be ashamed, we will not be disappointed, and we will not be embarrassed when that day comes. I'm here to remind you that the spirit of God is preparing us and has been preparing us before the foundation of the world for dad's return. That the work of Christ and the power of this gospel that we believe in will not leave us ashamed or disappointed. I'm here to remind you, church, that the gospel will not let us down. When he comes back, we will not only not be ashamed, we will be filled with tears of joy. That's what dad's return should be like for us. Not some far off moment that it seems like, man, I got a lot of living to do first. Or, man, I don't know if I'm ready. Or if he came back today, I'd really be in trouble. Listen to me. If you are a child of God, you are going to be ready. Amen? Amen. Go back to the window. He's coming. Don't let the things around you distract you from the anticipation of that amazing day. Heavenly Dad, we wait your return. We don't know when, we don't know how, but we know it's gonna be amazing. We know that you are preparing us now and sometimes the things we go through are puzzling and they're burdensome and we struggle, but we know you are transferring us from one step in glory to the next. We know that we are careening toward an amazing day, that moment where we see you, we connect with you in a way that we have desired all our lives, even if we did not even realize it. So, Dad, we do what John says to do. We encourage one another with that day. We look forward to your return and all that it will make us into being. Amen. Amen. Amen.